Welcome to the Healthy Insider Podcast, where we help supplement and functional food brands create better products. Today's host is Sandy Almendares, Content Director. and welcome to a Healthy Insider podcast. I am Sandy and on today's podcast, I have Laura Dickinson and Cheryl O'Loughlin who are the co-founders of the JEDI Collaborative. JEDI stands for Justice, Equity, Diversity and Inclusion. And this organization focuses specifically on these matters within the natural products industry. We could not get both of these women on a podcast at the same time, which I'm sure you can imagine they are very quite busy right now. Um, So we're going to start with Laura and she's going to talk about what the Jedi Collaborative is, its goals, benchmarking surveys, and then give some practical advice to brands who want to make statements of solidarity uh, during this time. Cheryl will then follow with what brand leaders can do to better educate themselves on matters of systemic racism. And then she'll talk about how this really is the time that we need to be working toward these goals, especially during a middle of a pandemic. On the phone, I have Laura Dickinson, co-founder and executive director of OSC Squared. She's also the co-founder of the Jedi Collaborative and co-founder of the Climate Collaborative. OSC Squared is a group of founders and CEOs working to support each other's business growth and more sustainable food solutions. With OSC Squared, she has launched several industry collaboratives, as noted, the Compostable Packaging Collaborative, the Rising Star Chapter, and most recently, the Climate Collaborative. Formerly, she was the CEO of Lightful Foods, Vice President of Retail Sales and Marketing at Numi Organic Tea, and Vice President of Marketing at The Balance Bar Company. So she does have a lot of history in this industry. But let's start with kind of the basics, Laura. What is the Jedi Collaborative and what is its goal? Sure. Thank you. So the Jedi Collaborative is, I'll start with, it's an OSC squared natural products industry collaborative. And it is really a platform for the entire industry, all of us to raise our game and embrace justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion. And um, I I might just go into the why of JEDI for a moment, why we're doing this. I think there's sort of the, 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 the personal and my personal observations and then also on behalf of the industry and OSC. From the perspective of OSC and our industry, we are innovators. We are leaders. We push the envelope to drive better food and agricultural systems on many levels in this industry. And we face a really vital business challenge that has become probably more apparent to us just in the last week, but has been brewing for a while in in our minds um, at OSC and for me, and that is that a lack of diversity in our industry means a lack of human ingenuity, lack of perspective, and a lack of talent. And over time, we will not overcome that lack of potential if we don't start to embrace diversity in a new way and really manifest our our muscle and our capacity to bring in a more multicultural workforce and start to address and bring forward products that are meant for a broader range of consumers as we become a majority minority nation. 
which we know right now that every one in two babies born is a baby of color. Um, and so we have a huge opportunity, but at this moment, we are not there as an industry. And um, I'll just, you know, I might just mention that I don't think I realized when I started OSC Squared eight years ago that this entire journey, which has been an incredible journey, has been a learning journey for me about diversity and, um, and how the power of that can inform so much thriving growth for communities and for products and for our industry and our country and how a lack of that can really hold us back. And within OSC, it's been really apparent because in founding it, I founded, um, I co-founded OSC with Ahmed Rahim and we got together seven other CEOs around my dining room table. And I realized that Ahmed and I were the only, let's say others in the room, me as a woman and him as a person of color. And he, could see potential that maybe these others couldn't from an other perspective, growing up as an other in the United States. And the potential to come together and, and be bigger than we are by being alone was something that I think sometimes um, people of marginalized communities see first. And that was just the first experience with the Climate Collaborative, I could say so many. That was also a whole opportunity that came out of having others in the room that were not what we would call the majority or the dominant group. So at an OSC meeting in 2015, Jessica Rolfe and I were the only two women and the only two, we happened to be nursing mothers in the room. And it was kind of an odd meeting where we actually had our children there because it was sort of this planned event um, that we were going to do afterwards. And so we were listening to scientists talk about climate change with a network of CEOs, all others who were white men and us in a room also thinking as mothers, as new mothers and having maybe a different perspective on the potential impact of a, this and a different calling for what it might mean to do something bigger than just work on this in our own supply chain. And so those were just two examples of, wow, when you get diverse perspective in a room, it lights things up in whole new ways. And I have so many more examples of that within the OSC network and far beyond that our industry lights up with diversity, but our capacity is not there yet. Absolutely. I, I love that story. I mean, I am currently a, a nursing mother and I once uh. I was once I became a nursing mother with my first child, I looked at a lot of things differently than what I had. Yes. Before, right. So the way that we plan our our days with meetings. And, the, and our trade shows and where you're, you can go to, to pump and all that. It's, you know, it was eye-opening. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> and you also your sensitivity to your mm -hmm. environment in a new way and the safety of it and the future of it, I think, is something that mothers tend to, tend to take on and, and parents in general as they become parents. So let's talk about where we are as an industry yeah. The Jedi Collaborative uh, did a benchmarking survey. So what did we find out about where the natural products industry sits as far as diversity and inclusion? Yeah, it, it, this is an incredible, I think, um, let's call it a baseline for us to have. And we did this survey so that we could inform ourselves and also track our progress and start to develop some, some strong long-term goals as an industry. 
And so we completed this survey in um, early 2020, and we just recently re released it in partnership with New Hope. And we found that particularly right now, we, we notice and I think anyone, um, it, it's so interesting. I've you know talked to a number of, 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 let's call them, you know, people of color and African-Americans in the last few weeks. And they all indicate when I walk into Expo West, I do feel different. I notice it. And I almost like feel like I have this unique head nod that I give to any other person of color or African-American because there are so few of us in this sea of, of, of people which do feel quite white. And, and that was something I never really noticed a lot when you're in the majority until it was pointed out to me and it, it then becomes something you can't stop seeing. And so we wanted to understand what we think we're seeing this and we know it feels like frankly, a bit of a monoculture industry, but what do we really represent? And so this benchmarking study was um, uh, our first um, our first study and it was with well over 200 companies. We really wanted to get to a place of, of pretty good significance. And we found that there are about 2% of Africans American, um, African-Americans represented in leadership and on boards in our industry, whereas there are about 13% in the country. So we know we're quite underrepresented there. The Latinx community, is um, represented at 2% at the board level and about 6% in leadership and uh, you know, much, much more in terms of the US population. Um, women are doing a, a bit better, particularly when you look at companies of, of 10 or less employees. A lot of women start companies. Um, but what we find is that access to capital, access to networks are been a real challenge to get to that next level for women oftentimes. And, and so um, women are, are doing better when you look at companies under 10 and under 50 in terms of um, being on boards and also being in leadership. When you get to companies that have over 50 people, over 50 employees, they're about 23% representation of women on boards. And that is still not, not great when you think about the purchasing power of women and the, and the role women have in terms of buying food in the household. And also the, the innovation and perspective we have and how does that really impact these companies when they're missing that perspective and those vital board positions. So um, those are just a few examples. And our goal with this is to really create a fair measurement of our progress. So we know in five years, have we progressed? And in 10 years, and um, while it seems a long way off, I mean, 10 years has been a blink of an eye for me. And in 10 years, our dream is that the natural products industry looks like the U.S. population in terms of our demographic makeup. And that will unleash a whole new level of innovation that we may not even be able to imagine today. Um, and as an industry that has enjoyed tremendous growth over the last 20 years, naturally we're starting to see that growth subside. What is the next opportunity for thriving growth in this industry? And we, we believe and, and know um, quite well that um, embracing a more multicultural community and industry will be a big part of that growth. So it is no coincidence that we're recording this podcast now, as you yeah. referenced a couple of times already, that it's just um, at the time of the recording, it's been a 
little over two weeks um, since the death of George Floyd while he was in police custody and the subsequent protests and really societal reckoning that we're going through within the United States as well as globally with Black Lives Matter and the support and really an awakening that many people of privilege are having right now to understand the roles that they play in race and even if they have not previously been aware of it um, to really just take a step back and and do some listening and and I know a lot of brands leaders are thinking through these same things and they want to be able to show solidarity and let people know that they believe Black Lives Matter and that they are on the right side of history to, to mm-hmm. quote a phrase. But a lot of brands are also stumbling, right? Because they mm-hmm. come with these, their own privilege. As Yeah. So from your perspective, if we could get some advice here, do you recommend that brands make statements of solidarity? Um, Should these statements come from brand leaders or individuals? Should they come from the brand itself? So I think it's, you know, as everything somewhat case by case, if a brand, for instance, like Ben and Jerry's has done deep, deep work and has ethos that is based on on human rights and social activism. And so them making a statement is authentic and there's something maybe we can learn from that. For the most part, particularly with brands who've not actively addressed social justice and um, in this way in the past, um, I think you indicated, and we've certainly seen a lot of virtue signaling and performative allyship, which can be pretty um, damaging. and. That means really, um, you know, it's easy to tweet support and um, to, you know, put a put a poster on your website for a day, but that creates a lot of noise that may limit hearing the people who need to be heard right now, the people who have experienced trauma and have deserve our empathy and deserve our ears is and for us to learn from them and their experience, and so. My overall feeling on this and at, at Jedi Collaborative, what we really are, are trying to support and lean into and suggest is to look internal right now. Spend this time looking internal. And as Ijeoma Alua, who is um, we've recorded on our website, her whole presentation and keynote to the natural products industry that we did just four weeks ago is more relevant than ever at this moment. And one of the things she said is clean your own house. And if you want credit for cleaning your house, get on the back of the bus. How often do you get credit for cleaning a house that should, you know, is is ready to get cleaned? And so our real request for brands is to really spend time internally and limit the external posturing unless you have something truly unique to offer to this, uh, to social justice at this moment. And what we, and the great thing is we launched the Jedi Collaborative on April 29th. It has been something we've worked on foundationally for two years now. And the foundation for the natural products industry is set up for brands and for leaders to step into this collaborative and to start to take step-by-step um, action. And so if you go on to jedicollaborative.com, you'll see how it works is one of the tabs, the how of Jedi and the whole journey that we suggest that you take. And the first step is 
really to get the CEO and leadership engaged, um, to have them come together and really think about how they want to show up um, in their own companies first and embraces their own companies and then their communities, and then start to work on a Jedi statement. And that is done uh, through information. So we have a series of um, you know, five webinars, everything from the what, the why, and the how of Jedi to grappling with unconscious bias to crafting your Jedi statement. All those webinars are on our website. They're awesome. They're, they're free. They're super easy to use. And they're designed exactly for the natural products industry executives to um, make use of. So once you've gotten to that point of just even a starter Jedi statement, understanding where you want to go and how you want to be in this place of Jedi, then move to make commitments. And those commitments, our industry understands how to do this because we have based our theory of change and the understanding of how um, brands can work can come together on our, our experience with the Climate Collaborative. And so we've created a clear set of commitments and brands can make commitments under three major areas. Culture, which is how do you, um, how do you really address Jedi in your own company culture? So the next area after culture, company culture is consumer. And within the consumer um, field, we ask, companies to reach a broader base of consumers through thinking about more innovative product development, branding, and marketing, and accessibility. So we have a number of commitments underneath that, strategies and tools and resources brands can make use of if they um, choose to make consumer commitments. And then, then the third area is communities. And so within the communities, we ask brands to commit to helping communities who are basically the backbone of our industry. And those communities can be both the, the communities in your supply chain, the sourcing and farming communities, and then the community within which you live and work. And underneath that, we have four different commitments that can be made. And again, a, a whole suite of strategies, tools, and resources to access if you to, to move you along on these commitments. Well, thank you so much, Laura. Certainly it's long overdue um, for companies who have not cleaned their own house. I love yeah. that analogy. Um, well, thank you so much for joining me today on this podcast. Yeah, thank you. Really appreciate it. And on the phone, I have Cheryl O'Loughlin, who is the co-founder and co-leader of both the Jedi Project and the Women on Boards Project through OSC Squared. She's an accomplished entrepreneur with over 20 years of experience leading natural product companies, including Rebel, Cliff Barn Company, and Plum Inc. Her goal is to support the beautiful human beings whose lives are touched by the natural products industry, to amplify the voices of those who have been marginalized, and to increase their influence in decision making, not only for their own benefit, but to strengthen our industry. She has said that our industry needs to actively and intentionally be much more inclusive. And this is a topic um, that is top of mind to many people within the natural products industry, within the United States and, and globally, especially within the last two weeks, as many people of privilege have had a, a reckoning uh, of where they sit in race relations and what they can do to do better. And of course, I know that's a, a place of privilege to just be thinking about that now. 
And so the work that the Genet Collaborative has done for this industry is wonderful. Look to Cheryl and folks like you to help us be better brands and really follow through the sentiments that we have here. So my first question is what can brand leaders do to better educate themselves on matters of systemic racism and the role that their companies can play to create change? Yeah, it's it's a great question. So, you know, such a timely one, obviously, with the events that have happened that are sad and devastating at the same time, they've been going on for hundreds of years. I mean, our, our system, let alone the food system from which, you know, we as an industry participate in obviously very heavily, the system that we're in is, is racist. And we need to become anti-racist to change that. Whether you look at the way that our prisons are set up, whether you look at how people driving down the street and the most recent examples, every day, black Americans are afraid to drive in a car. I, as a white woman, cannot imagine getting up and every day being afraid that somebody is going to be stopping me for no reason and I could be killed. And that is a system that has gotten to change, that has got to change. And our food system is a huge participant in that. And so much of this is unconscious. It's We're not talking about addressing a few bad actors here, although, yes, there are some bad actors. It's more the... Uh, the unconscious bias that is part of our entire system that we participate in every single solitary day that we need to strip apart and understand so that we can address it once and for all and become an anti-racist system. So in terms of resources, in, in this moment in time, a lot of people are asking, what do they do? And so we need to make sure that we are listening to what Black Americans say that they need. And there's many resources out there for that. And we have listed on JediCollaborative.com, J-E-D-I, stands for Justice, Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion, JediCollaborative.com. We have under our resources section an uh, article that Carlotta Mast wrote from New Hope, and I believe it's on your materials as well, that has, it has a link to a list of an incredible amount of resources that are what Black Americans say that they need. And that is so important for us to be understanding that, learning and doing something about it now and learning on our own, educating ourselves. We can't be looking to, Black people have been doing this forever to say, what do I need to do? We need to be the ones that are doing it. And so there are plenty of resources like that out there, but I encourage people to go to jetteracollaborative.com to, to look at what those are. So that's our, the first step. And then the second step is really to understand within our industry, within the place that we stand, what as leaders can we do in order to start shifting the system? And that's what we've been working on for the past two years as we've developed the Jedi Collaborative. That's what we've been working on to be able to provide tools to help CEOs to move, in, to move into justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion for their companies. But it's complex. This is a systems issue. And we can talk more deeply about this. But when we were first starting this project, people were saying, this is so big. All the resources you're providing, there's so many. There's so many tools. It feels overwhelming. And what we said to people is, 
This is a systems issue. It's not going to be a do one thing in HR that is going to solve this. We have got to address this from how we address the consumer to how we address our company culture and what we do in our company culture to our communities in terms of, for example, how we support our growers, how we participate in policy. And all of those together make up the system. And we have to address the whole system. One piece at a time as we do it, stringing it together, it's too much to do it all at once, but we have to do it holistically. And JediCollaborative.com walks people through how to be able to do that with the very specific tactics and tools and consultants to work with to help on that journey. So also, as we're going through all of this, we are in the middle of a pandemic. That's not news to anyone yeah, else. Right. <laughs> but yeah, so there we have, we're being pushed in a lot of different directions. Budgets have been reduced, but this is still an important issue, these Jedi concerns. What can brands do to balance the need to expand and include more voices while also working with all of the limitations that we find ourselves in? Well, this is the moment in time where this is all coming together. The, these limitations, where does creativity come from? It, it comes from limitations. And that it, it doesn't become from just blue sky, everything is possible. It comes from the parameters that we put on ourselves to think creatively. What this moment is telling us is, and if you look to nature, say what makes nature thrive? It's biodiversity. What we have done for a long, long time, forever in business, is that we ignored the fact that we humans are part of that biodiversity. And so the diversity of humans is what we need to have a strong system. Again, it's what nature tells us. It's what creates resilience. We also know that our businesses are essential businesses. That's what COVID has taught us, um, that getting healthy food, healthy food that is accessible and affordable to people in a way that meets people where they are, where at their culture, not somebody else telling them what, what they need to be eating, but what meets them at their culture. That's what we need, affordable, accessible, ethnically appropriate food in order to welcome many more people into our industry. Right now, we have an industry that is a majority um, in terms of consumers and also in terms of, of, of um, who is making up the industry in terms of in our companies, our leaders and our boards is white people. And in, in terms of the consumer, white people have privilege because of our price points. We are about getting healthy food and healthy products and healthy ecosystems for people. We are filled with people in this industry that care deeply about issues that affects people. So we need to use this moment of time to say to, our, to, say to ourselves and each other, how do we step up to the plate to make this industry stronger? How do we drive growth? And how do we make sure that we're doing what is our mission at a company as, a, as an industry to get healthier products to people? And so this is our moment in time to start to stop ourselves from all of the action and say, how do we do that? And we do that by embracing justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion. And I'm not saying that just because it's the right thing to do. I'm saying it because it is the financial thing that is going to help this industry thrive in the future. We are starting to see, and Carlotta shared this, this data, that the industry growth is not as much as it used to be. It's still growing, but the growth isn't as strong. 
but the opportunity is massive. We are talking to a small sliver of the population. When we become expansive, when we become ex inclusive, they, we will experience growth and we will experience profitability in a way that we need right now as an industry. And again, it is our mission as an industry to get healthier food to people. So this is our moment to stop ourselves to say, how do we use this moment in time and, and move through this in a way that is gonna make us a much stronger, resilient industry in the future? Thank you so much, Cheryl, for joining me today and, and sharing this powerful message. Um, I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And thank you for asking about this. It's so, such an important moment. Absolutely. And there will be many, 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 many more conversations like this to come. Thank you. So thanks so much again to Laura and Cheryl. For those interested in learning more about the Jedi Collaborative, please go to JediCollaborative.com. Thank you for listening to a Healthy Insider podcast, now available on Apple Podcasts or through Google Play. Subscribe now to never miss an episode.